Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everyone, not only to Discovering Your Vinotype, but also to convention, (laughs) our first event. Uh, Sorry for the technical issues. I just walked home not long ago from work. So we are going to shake things up a little bit. I have quite a few surprises for everyone attending tonight. So first of all, uh, like I've always said, I love to share wine with others. Um, So I would like to hear, uh, just let's go with five, first five people who can raise their hands and share with us. Uh, Tonight, we're going to share what you are drinking and what kind of goblet are you using for your drink tonight? So first five people. Okay. I think Sarah Calhoun has raised her hand. Hi. 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 This is, uh, I'm really excited to, to be learning more about wine. Um, I'm not really a wine aficionado, but I like <laughs> that's the... That's <laughs> okay, Sarah, that's what we're here for. Yay. I, I like <laughs> a, a blush wine, uh-huh. uh, okay. sweet, and mm-hmm. I, I, I do have the wine glasses with the long stem, you know, but I must admit, sometimes I use the shorter glasses because uh, sometimes I've been known to knock over my oh. my tall wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> not only you, not only you, my dear, right. trust me. <laughs> uh, but to, for not being an aficionado, you used a very sophisticated term to describe what you're drinking. You said blush. So for everyone, a blush is a very, very fancy name for a rosé, commonly known rosé, which is a wine as uh, blush or rosé would indicate. It is um, a wine that is not white and it's not red. It is pink. And we'll talk a little bit more about how uh, winemakers achieve the color in wine. Pam Quinn. Hi. Um, Well, I prefer a a dry wine and I try Mm -hmm. to stick with red wines because I hear that they're good for you and all that good stuff. And right now I have before me a huge wine glass. It has a stem, but it's bigger than the average, bigger than the average bear. (laughs) And it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's actually a box wine, which I don't know if that's frowned upon, you know, with, with uh, true wine connoisseurs or not, but anyway, it's a, Peter Vela is the brand that um, I've settled on. I've tried security. Uh, please remove that box wine woman from the room. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not, Pam. We're we're gonna learn all about how how you know. There's many myths. Uh, honestly, I personally wouldn't drink wine from a box just because I like the whole experience of the bottle and decorking and all that, but. There's nothing wrong. Okay, then it's Sicily Laney. Hello. Uh, I have a muscadine wine from a local vineyard. And Mm -hmm. um, while I generally prefer white and dry, this is white, but it's sweet. So although it's delicious, and I love the fact that it's locally made, 
and I am drinking out of a, a stemless wine glass that was given to me by my niece. So it's special to me. Oh, that's sweet. It, it makes it even sweeter. <laughs> Next is Melanie Altshino. Huh? Sorry, I messed up your last name. Everyone does. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So I have a 100% Sangiovese from, uh, it's a vineyard called Rancho Sisquoc in the Santa Ynez Valley in California. And it's in a stemless oh. wine glass from the vineyard. Nice. Nice. A Sangiovese from California. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your wine in a little while, Melanie, because that that's... Uh, that's, you know, a, a great, great highlight for when we talk a little bit about origins and how grapes have migrated across continents nowadays. Right. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> and our, our fifth hand raises Milena Vanderwall. Okay. I don't currently have any wine in front of me, unfortunately, but one of my favorite. My phone keeps saying raised hand. <laughs> it's weird. Um, anyway, so my uh, favorite type of wine is a Moscato. Oh, okay. And You're a sweet. I Yes, I definitely drinker. prefer sweet wines. I think I like probably the blushes, but I mm-hmm. don't know how many I've had. Just second, yeah. Um, and I like to, I like to drink uh, with friends, so... Awesome. Thank you. That's the best way. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so, um, um, my host, what, what, how many more hands do we have? There's two more. Two more. Okay, let's go with 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 two hands. Byron has his hand raised. Yes, I followed oh. the proper protocol and everything. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I was going to make a joke that I was, you know, drinking, uh, Chate Dr. Pepper out of an aluminum go- uh, goblet. <laughs> um, it had to be you, Byron. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not much of a fan of, of bitter wines, but I do like sweet mm-hmm. wines and I've discovered that I really enjoy a nice Riesling. Riesling. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. It's out of the sweet wines is, is one that I do like. Yeah, so my goblet is, um, uh, you know, just a standard, you know, glass, um, you know, wine <laughs> glass, or God forbid, even maybe. A- <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to goblets because I, I just don't like plastic and wine, but that's my preference. I'm not, there's no judgment here. <laughs> and if you don't want that wine poured all over you, don't ever serve it to him in a solo cup. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this wine has a, a undertones of plastic. <laughs> undertones, <laughs> Byron, you're too much. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, so um, I'm, I, I'm unmuted now. When you're ready, there you go. Hello? I know what, Mr. Crowd. I know what you're drinking, but share with everyone, please. Uh, it's got to be Schlamsberg, and at this point, we'll call it a block in the wall. Blanc and, de Noir, uh, okay. And, and actually, if I'm going to drink it in front of uh, Anthony and Gabriel, I'm going to drink it in a waterproof champagne flute. <laughs> and if I don't drink it in that, I'll drink it in one of their stainless steel flutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and Gabriel, Gabriel's buying everybody on the call uh, a bottle of wine, 
just because he was late tonight uh, as payoff. If y'all come to Miami, we'll buy y'all a bottle of wine. <laughs> He'll be charging that to Mr. Kratz's account at ABC Wines and Spirits. Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, there is a surprise, so you never you you never know. You could be <laughs> you could be anticipating to to what's coming. Okay. So I think we had one more hand. Diane Diana Oliveira. Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. <clears throat> yes, I um, I'm very glad that you are having this uh, meeting. I my favorite wine actually is Pinot Noir. Um, oh wow! <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yes. Uh, and you talk about the boxes. Well, I prefer the bottles, but because of the echo system or whatever, you know, bottles are kind of, they're complicated. But usually I've got them from um, Total Wine and uh, there are some preferred ones. Um, I like one particularly that is not available right now. That is from New Zealand or Australia, one of those places there, yeah. or South Africa. But uh, it's very good. It's not um, doesn't have detriment uh, tanning, and uh, mm. it's very good. So, but I'm I'm very curious to see what you have to say to us, especially concerning the bottles and the boxes, because I'm using boxes now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So the reason why I there we go. I just decorked, actually, Diane, a uh, bottle of Pinot Noir is what Anthony and I are going to be sipping tonight while we talk to everyone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, thank you, everyone, for sharing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about goblets as well in a bit. But I want to start sharing with everyone a few words that you can get acquainted with or you should get acquainted with if you want to start traveling in this world of wine. Let me start by saying that wine, contrary to any myth, is like any other um, art or music genre that you can appreciate and you can learn about. The best way to learn about it is by practicing a lot. <laughs> so the best way to learn about wine is by trying a lot of wine and not being afraid. And uh, like we like to call this workshop Discover Your Vinotype because we're not gonna teach you what type of wines you should drink, but we're gonna teach you how to discover the types of wine that best suit your palate, your nose, uh, and your lifestyle. So we're gonna get started with some of those words keywords. Um, first of all, the basic word in the wine language is grape. That's where everything starts with a grape. <laughs> um, there is a common joke uh, about the origins of wine. They say that, uh, uh, well, the according to history, wine um, was started as a beverage in the middle, the middle East, Greece, Turkey and the Babylon region. And uh, it happened when uh, some grapes fell out of the vine and uh, were captured in a little, um, like in a little uh, dish that happened to be there, had been left by the, by the collectors. And um, 
and then the uh, the graves stayed there, and apparently with time they were left behind. Uh, they were not collected, and they were they ripened and fermented, and uh, they tried the wine uh, or the fruit or the liquid, and discovered that it tasted good. So that's how uh, the myth <laughs> uh, of winemaking started. And nowadays, um, they say that wine may have been created by mistake. Uh, however, nowadays, because of wine, we make so many mistakes. <laughs> but um, that's a different story. So moving along from the grape, uh, we know we have uh, grapes that produce white wines and grapes that produce red wines and uh, grapes that produce blush wines. So as we were saying earlier, and, and we're going to go into more detail as we progress, I'm going to take my first sip of this Pinot Noir, which is from Oregon, and it's from a vinery called Aris. And I don't know what you think, Anthony, but I this wine, for example, is very high in acidity, but it's also very round and fruity. It has, I feel, notes of plum, and um, I feel definitely notes of berries in it which is very common in Pinot Noirs. Okay, so going back into our words, uh, we talked about grape. And like I said, we're gonna go into more detail further along in the conversation. I just have a surprise uh, for everyone and I won't, I cannot wait. I just wanna see who's paying attention. So as far as grapes, um, you know, we have varietals, we have Merlots, we have Cabernet Sauvignon and the red wines. We have Pinot Noir. Those are the most common grapes, but there's uh, many, many other. Malbec. There is um, a Petit Syrah, a Petit Verdot. And, you know, we could spend an entire night talking about all the varietals, even though not all of them are so common. And uh, we have the white wines that are made from other grapes like Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio, depending on French or Italian. But um, there's another grape that we're gonna talk in a bit because one of our guests was talking about the Sangiovese grape. Uh, and that takes me to the word of origin. So we talk about grape varietal origin. Origin, like its name says, is just the place where the grape comes from originally or where the wine is produced, uh, which is technically the same place. And uh, for example, the Sangiovese wine, uh, the Sangiovese grape is the grape that goes into making the famous Chianti. And Chianti is actually the region. So that's, you know, hence origin uh, whenever we talk about Chianti, we know we're talking about Sangiovese. Now, um, this is a distinction that uh, I always make because people have asked me. And um, when we talk about origin, it's important to make a distinction between old world and new world. Uh, the difference is because old world is, they make it a little bit more difficult for us. New world, they make it very easy on us. Old world wines are obviously from the region of Europe, 
and um, some parts of Greece, Turkey, uh, the Middle East. And they will not have on the label the grape that was used to make that wine. Why? Because they expect us, the consumers, to know. So if we're um, having a Bordeaux, we know what goes into making a Bordeaux, which is typically um, a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Pinot Noir. And um, if famous word champagne, if we're drinking a champagne, which is a sparkling wine, we know that comes from the region of Champagne. So New World wines are those from the rest of the world, uh, including the U.S., uh, Napa, Oregon, Washington, Chile, Argentina, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. And those will include on the label the name of the grape. So they will say Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. It would say Chardonnay. Or it will say red wine or white wine in case it is a blend. And it will still include on the back label, it will include um, all the grapes that go into making that red wine or that white wine. So that's that. Um, the third word or another word, I think we're by number four now. <laughs> the other word that I want everyone to uh, keep in mind is vintage. So um, unlike clothes or cars, vintage refers to the year, uh, not the year in which the wine was made, but the year in which the grapes were harvested. So um, we know that if a uh, wine says uh, 2010, we know that that is vintage 2010. So uh, a few other words that we're going to talk about as we go deeper into our conversation are going to be the words that we use when um, creating that vinotype, which are going to be nose, uh, taste, um, acidity. There's going to be body. We're going to have also a discussion around tannins because I know a lot of people have, uh, uh, you know, either love or hate tannins. And we're going to go into details as of why that is. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about sight because, uh, you know, I don't know if we have any um, sighted or, uh, a part, uh, you know, low vision people joining us. So there's also a sight element into wine. And uh, we're also going to talk about sound and texture. So all those things are things to keep in mind and don't feel uh, overwhelmed. Feel free to raise your hand and interrupt me if you have any questions. Uh, before we move, oh, and obviously we're also going to talk about some uh, accessories, wine goblets, wine bottles, corks, and some other things that people may have, uh, may have wondered about. So I'm going to make a pause right here while all this information is fresh in everyone's mind. And I want, sh and, the, uh, and, and this is, <laughs> no one knows, but this is for a prize in the form of uh, the easiest way to get a bottle of wine <laughs> across country is through a certificate. So this is going to be uh, for the, the first person who raises their hand and answers the question correctly. Given all the information that I have told you, I want to hear someone tell me, 
number one, the grape. Number two, the place where it's from and the vintage. If I tell you the following name. So keep in mind, you have to tell me three things. Grape, the, or, the origin, which is the region or country, and the vintage. Okay? So it's very simple. I'm just going to say Chianti 2009. So we're going to wait again. I need grape, country, and vintage for Chianti 2009. Chantel Buck has her hand raised. Okay, Come on, Chantel, what's your answer? She she's quit talking. She's having computer trouble, it sounds like. All right, we'll go one more hand. Marie, if you're there, speak. If not, we'll go to the next hand. Hey, Going can you once. Hear? Hello. All right. Go ahead. Hi. It's it's Marie. Um uh Chianti, you said Chianti. Um I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Santa. Oh, shit. Oh, excuse my language. Scented Verge? I don't know. But it's 2009. It's the vintage, I think. Okay. And and what and, and what's the... What country? The, what country, yes. Italy? There you go. Yep. <laughs> we have a winner. So, yeah. All today. right. Marie, when this program is over, just email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org, and we'll take your information and send you your wine certificate. All right. If, great. If, if I think I, I know where to find Marie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have your email too, Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Marie. I couldn't get. I didn't have wine because I wasn't planning on joining this call, but I am drinking a Yingling because I had to drink something. Oh, shame on you, Marie! I know. <laughs> but you got it. Right, <laughs> yes, thanks. it is the grape Sangiovese, um, and um, it is from the region from Italy uh, because it's a uh, Chianti. It's the region. Uh, so we talked about origin and uh, the vintage um as i said is the year that will be displayed indicating what um year the grape was harvested so it was 2009 so there you go it's very easy it's like a puzzle see um obviously with old world wines this is a perfect example of how you need to know what type of grape is grown um and i was not expecting but i said it earlier um Sangiovese is uh, the grape that goes into making Chianti wine or, you know, the wine from the region of Chianti, Italy. So um, so it was more memory test than a wine test. So don't don't think that we're testing knowledge yet, <laughs> but we're going to get there. <laughs> um, so um, I, I'm, I, I love having fun with wine and this is so much fun. So uh, we are going to dive right into um, a little bit of the varietals uh, because that's a, that's another question that I typically get. Uh, people tend to ask what is a varietal and like I mentioned varietal is the grape that goes into making wine and um, believe it or not it, it does have a difference. Uh, it does make a huge difference because each wine, each grape has its own characteristics and uh, like I said earlier, the more you taste, the more your palate gets acquainted with those tastes. So we're going to cover some of the varietals within the red and within the white. Uh, if someone has any preference, I tend to go 
with uh, the more common ones because they're the more um, accessible, both uh, easy to find and also uh, tend to uh, be more moderately priced. And uh, obviously we don't want to break the bank <laughs> while trying wine. <laughs> so um, so I, I try to be mindful of that. But if anyone has a particular grape that you want to uh, be discussed tonight, please raise your hand and let me know. And we'll be happy to do that. But uh, starting with reds, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, and Malbec. I'm going to throw four. Are very, very, uh, the most common wines uh, that you will find, the most common grapes or varietals that go into making red wine. So if you use your nose, we're going to start with that part of the wine, the nose. Uh, and that's exactly how it, what it's called. Nosing the wine is nothing but smelling it. Uh, I recommend the first part of it. And this, and this is going to be a perfect segue to talk a little bit about goblets. So for red wines, it is recommended to use a goblet that if you touch them or if you see them, you're going to see that they're very round on the bottom and then they close at an angle towards the top. And the reason for that being is because the red wine, the way it ages, once you decork or open the bottle, it the first thing it ha that happens is that it goes in contact with oxygen, and that's uh, that starts the aerating process. So the wine starts technically or literally breathing. So um, you want to wait. You don't want to pour your wine as soon as you as you remove the cork. Um, so you want to wait a couple of minutes, especially if it's an older wine, five or 10 or more years of aging. And uh, again, this information we will get from the vintage. So the, um, the uh, purpose of, of the wine glass for red wines is that at the bottom, it gives it a lot of space so that the wine can breathe. But towards the top, it angles up and closes a little bit so that the smell um, is almost kind of projected towards our nose. So um, before anyone who's drinking a red right now with us, I would recommend um, just taking a nose, a couple of inches away from your nose. Uh, and when I say nose, I, I'll, I may be referring to the noun or to the verb, like nosing the wine is smelling the wine. So if, if I'll invite you to take that first nose and and just just see what smells I, i'm sorry not see figure out what smells you're getting and you know don't be afraid um i know we're, we're in a virtual setting we cannot talk normally we go around the room and we ask about what what notes you get so if you're drinking a merlot you may get notes of plums cherries blackberries. If you're drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon, you may get notes of leather, tobacco, and definitely uh, oak. Uh, and this is due to the uh, barrels in which um, Cabernet Sauvignon is typically um, fermented, which is a barrel, uh, oak barrels. If you're drinking a Pinot Noir, you may get notes of plums and uh, peaches, and also a little bit of spices, maybe some cinnamon. And if you're drinking a Malbec, 
don't be afraid if you feel very earthy smells, mushroom, uh, tobacco, and leather as well. So after you have done that, I invite you to swirl the glass. And uh, this is not a myth. <laughs> it, it is a thing. Once you swirl a red wine, you will feel that the red wine is aerating. It's, you know, getting oxygen. And um, you'll see how it starts maturing. Uh, and then take another whiff of that wine and see or feel what it smells like. And you may feel different notes. So once you have done that, gently take a sip of your wine. And uh, like I always say, uh, don't try to gulp it. Let it travel through the entire part of your palate, your tongue, um, down up until it gets to your throat. And I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of dissect the notes that you will or should be feeling. So um, some people sometimes <laughs> ask me why I do that, but I'm going to take a sip of the wine that I'm drinking right now. And um, this is, I'm not saying this is the way you should drink wine, but if you do want to enjoy, I recommend um, doing some sort of like, like if you're like, if you were a little vacuum <laughs> with your mouth and instead of tilting the glass where you're pouring the wine into your um, mouth, just, you know, use a little vacuum technique and do this and let it travel. So you're going to feel it hit the tip of your tongue with a certain note. That's what you will feel if it's, if it's high on acidity or no. Once it travels through the midsection of your mouth, you will, you will start feeling the body. Is it watery and light or is it high in viscosity, like almost like drinking a glass of milk? And when you go towards the back part of your tongue, uh, since we're talking about red wines, that's where you will feel the tannins. And the tannins, uh, the sensation that you will get is you will get like if you have, um, you know, when you, when you're, if you have black tea and you let it steep for too long and then you drink it, it feels like it's almost sticking to your tongue. It's kind of forming like a, like a little film around your tongue. So that's the tannin in the red wine. And once it starts, it's <laughs> traveled through and down your throat. Uh, that's where you were you will feel the level of the content of alcohol. And you that can be translated in a sense of warmth down your throat and, um, you know, into your body. <laughs> so having said that, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the tannins and why the color of the red wine. So all grapes give clear color must. Must is simply the name that we give to the um, liquid that then ferments and becomes wine. So every grape, red, whether red or white, will give us white, a clear drink. What happens with the red wines is that the skin of the grapes is part of the process. So the grapes are fermented with the skin and the skin is what gives it the color. That's why you may see 
some uh, grapes that are traditionally used to make red wine. And uh, you see that it's a white wine like Zinfandel. Zinfandel is a grape that is commonly used to make white wine. And the way they achieve that is by removing the skin as soon as the wine starts fermenting. Um, typically, it's anywhere between 24 to 36 hours after the grape is fermenting that they remove the skin in order for the skin to not uh, give that a red coloring to the uh, actual must. And then that's how we achieve white wine. But in the sense of red wine, uh, that's the, 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 the skin is what gives us the tannin. And like I said, tannins to either love or hate. There's nothing right or wrong. I love a very tannic wine. And uh, I'm going to start introducing with the concept of tannins. I'm going to start introducing uh, a little bit of pairing. We, we shy away from, from, from talking too much about pairings because we don't want people to obsess that you must pair this type of wine with this type of food. And that is mainly a thing of the past. Uh, new standards indicate that we pair the wine with whatever we feel complements it well. And the only way we can discover that is by trying. Trying ourselves, testing, don't be afraid. There's always recommendations. If you go to a restaurant, definitely uh, a chef or a sommelier will have recommendations. If you ask me, I will I will give you my recommendation. And the reason why I'm going into uh, this topic right now is because it is my personal opinion that a nice piece of steak, if, if, if you're into eating steak, goes absolutely wonderful with a very, very tannic, full-bodied wine like a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Malbec because uh, the meat is so greasy that you feel that the um, the tannin and uh, the, the just just the, the acidity of the wine cleans your palate and um, makes every piece of steak taste identical. So um, depending on the marbling of the steak, of course, but it, it cleanses your palate. So that's why you feel that film forming around your tongue with uh, wines that are high in tannin, because then you have your, your, your palate is ready for the next bite of steak. So I do invite you, if you haven't tried it, um, uh, it, it, it's my personal recommendation. It's not a must but definitely try and next time you have a steak and if you're going to pair it with wine i would recommend a very full body wine typically a cabernet or a malbec so before we transition into um, other types of goblets and other types of wines i am going to make a pause and uh, let anyone who has any comments or questions or anything they want to share about red wines before we go into white uh, if you want to raise your hand right now Hey, Gabriel, it's Wayne. Hey, Wayne. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you. Yeah, Welcome, yeah. Wayne. I'm, I'm happy, to be a, happy to be a part of this. And uh, just wanted to say that uh, I don't have a lot of comments, but I really like, uh, I really like Shiraz and mm -hmm. Merlot and uh, Cabernet. So I'm more of a, I'm more of a red, I'm more yeah. of a red wine guy. But on the flip side, I really like Riesling a lot. I don't know if you, any of you guys are a fan of Riesling. Sweet wines. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Riesling, Riesling is, at the, uh, is, is at the beginning of the spectrum uh, in terms of sweet wines. Uh, I, oh, interesting. I, yeah, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not the sweetest of wine, but it's, it's at the very beginning of the spectrum. 
Um, so, so it makes sense that, that you do like, uh, but I would, you know, stick around so that you hear a little bit more about white wine, because if you like Shiraz and Cab, you will definitely uh, enjoy some of the wines that I'm going to recommend in terms of the white wines for people who love red wines, but are sometimes afraid of transitioning over to whites or vice versa. Yeah, because I haven't found a lot of white wines that I've really gotten into okay. that much. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Absolutely. All right, okay. Gabriel, before Hello? you go to the white grapes, you have a shout out from Ron Brooks, who is listening via ACB media. He had trouble finding the links to get in. He says, you're killing it, but uh, you should probably <laughs> move to the white grapes because we're pretty much at the halfway mark and you still have to get That's to right. actually discovering your vino type. Okay. Okay. So whoever we have with their raised hands, we're going to go through the whites and then please don't, don't lower your hands. We'll get to you. So that way we can get to the part, mm -hmm. uh, the Q and a we'll, that that's a, that's a smart white wines. Um, we're, we're, you know, obviously it's faster to talk about, about white wines after you have talked about red, because we know the process of achieving white wine. Uh, it is uh, a process in which the, Skin of the grapes is not part of the process. So um, the juice is, uh, the must is removed from the skin as soon as the fermentation process starts. So when uh, that happens is when we achieve white wine. And we have grapes that are particularly better for white wine. And, you know, we have uh, the grapes that are varietals that are more traditionally used for white wine. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, because they are, you know, the green grapes or white grapes, however you want to call them. Um, so those would be, like I mentioned earlier, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Pinot Grigio or Pinot Gris. Uh, those would be the most, uh, the, the three probably most common grape. And um, same thing with the red. Uh, you have different notes. Um, the goblets that you use to drink white wine do not have to be so round. You know, they're smaller. And uh, they're more, um, you know, consistent. Yeah, it's, 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 they don't Tell have me. an angle. Let's go and, over here. Uh, yeah. And then the, um, the, uh, that's because the white wine, because of the temperature, and we're going to talk about temperature in a bit, the temperature at which we drink the white wine is uh, much colder, so much cooler. So the temperature, um, I'm, I'm no scientist, but <laughs> I'm just going to try to explain this in a very, very, very layman's term. Um, You know, uh, temperature, basically what it does is that it, it, the warmer the temperature, the more the molecules of a substance move, um, and the colder, the less uh, the molecules move. So the colder wine or the cooler wines, like white wines, the molecules are not moving so much. So you're, you're not going to get such an aroma, such a note from a white wine as you do from a red. Hence, you don't need... Uh, the goblet with the round bottom and the angle at the top to make it uh, to project that smell towards your nose. So um, the white wines uh, are very, I would like to say they're very simple because they, um, they, their notes are very distinguishable at the right of the beginning. So either you love them or you hate them. Um, so a Chardonnay which is my favorite white wine. And, um, and, and this may answer uh, Wayne's question. Um, it's, it's a very buttery and very oaky wine. And the reason for it being oaky, it's because it's uh, aged in uh, oak barrels. But also the grape is, is, is very full. It's, it's, it's a very, very strong grape uh, versus 
Pinot Grigio, which is a little bit more grassy and a little bit more has notes like herb and uh, maybe some some citrus note uh, as well as taste. And then um, same thing with the Sauvignon Blanc. The Sauvignon Blanc would be like a mid-road. Sauvignon Blanc would go uh, into the grassy notes, uh, but sometimes more also into the green apples rather than citrusy. So, you know, if you're not a fan of a big, bold, full-body wine, you know, you would want to stay with a Sauvignon Blanc or a Pinot Grigio. Um, Pinot Grigio can be found uh, with either its Italian name, which is Pinot Grigio, or a French, which is Pinot, uh, Pinot Gris. Uh, same thing, <laughs> different origin. And then if you are into a full body, a more robust wine, Chardonnay. Um, white wines are phenomenal to go with food that are based on sauce or butter. Uh, definitely great with poultry, uh, great with, uh, with seafood. However, uh, here's where it gets a little bit uh, challenging and not challenging in the sense that it is challenging by nature. It's challenging because we've heard so much that we should not drink red wines with certain types of food or we should not drink white wines with certain types of food. If you're dealing with uh, fish, for example, salmon or Hollywood, I said Hollywood, I'm sorry, Hollywood, <laughs> the wine, the wine, guys. <laughs> so Hollywood or other um, types of fish that can be stronger in flavor. I rather have those kinds of fish with uh, a red wine, probably not go with a full Cabernet or a Merlot. I mean, a Malbec, but definitely a Merlot, a Pinot Noir. Uh, but again, I invite you to try and sample and discover your vinotype. And before we go into the aspects of actually nailing down to what your vinotype is, um, <clears throat> just want to cover a little bit because I know many people have questions about goblets, like we were saying earlier. Um, the reason why, obviously, uh, I'm drinking out of a stemless glass <laughs> just for safety. Um, the reason why the wines uh, are supposed to be served in, in stem glasses is because the stems prevent your um, body temperature to change the temperature of the wine. And uh, like we said, you know, white wines are supposed to be chilled to um, temperature between 45 to 50 degrees, where uh, red wines are supposed to be chilled. Yes, <laughs> many people think that we're not supposed to chill red wines. We are supposed to chill red wines because red wines are supposed to be taken at a temperature that ranges between 59 and 64 degrees. Uh, because uh, I know we've all heard the famous phrase of room temperature, but going back to what we talked uh, a few minutes ago about the history of wine, remember that the temperature, at least for example today here in Miami, Florida, room temperature is not the room temperature in Bordeaux, France in the 1400s. <laughs> so uh, room temperature means room temperature uh, back when wine was first of the origin of the grape yeah so those are the few temperatures that we're going to talk about and then uh, the last type of goblet and uh, i also attest to how much it makes a difference to have a sparkling wine in a flute and that is because it allows for the bubbles to travel up and uh, it, it allows it for uh, for the uh, that uh, no to travel up and the bubbles to keep 
moving up and down, up and down. And that's what you feel uh, when you're drinking a bubbly. Um, so for those of you who are uh, bubbly drinkers, um, that's one of my favorite as well. And uh, bubbly, um, we're not going to call it champagne because we know origin only uh, grape or wines produced in champagne can be called champagne. So um, believe it or not, Sparkling wine can be made out of red or white grape. It's just a matter of removing the skin of the red grape. Uh, when we have uh, sparkling wine made from red grape, uh, you will read the label says um, Blanc de Noir, uh, which in French is white and black. So uh, it's actually a wine achieve, white wine achieved using red grapes. And like our friend, Mr. Jim Crod was, uh, sharing with us earlier, he's drinking Blanc de Blanc, which means that that sparkling wine was made the using white, grape. white grapes. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, the way in which you achieve sparkling wine is by a double fermentation process. So the actual fermentation of this uh, versus uh, the still red or white wine that happens in barrels, whether they be oak or, or stainless steel, um, sparkling wine is traditionally um, fermented in the bottle. And uh, after a certain number of years, depending if it's five, 10, um, you know, that, that, you know that, that, that it also impacts the price of the wine, um, then it's decored and it is gone and it, uh, it, it gets added some yeast so that uh, it goes back to fermentation process and that yeast converts into bubbles. Um, the carbon dioxide, which is bubbles. Now, you may wonder why some sparkling wines are sweeter than others. It's because some winemakers decide to add sugar, sugars, which is what uh, once it gets in contact with the alcohol, it converts into more alcohol and carbon dioxide. And that's another label that uh, we, uh, I, I would suggest you learn how to read those labels uh, so that you can better create your vinotype uh, it's very easy, uh, and I can definitely share this more in detail uh, personally with anyone who wishes or wants to reach me. Um, so definitely, uh, Brut Natur, or Brut, is a very, very dry sparkling wine. No sugar added. And Natur is, you know, obviously the French word for natural. That means that's your hint. Um, you don't need to learn no French. Sugar added. <laughs> no sugar added. Now, Demisec. Just picture semi. <laughs> semi is middle road. So it has some sugar added, but not as much. Now, if you, um, any anything else that you find um, besides brew or demi-sec um, will be um, a, a very sweet sparkling wine. And if you see extra brut, that means that it is extra dry because it's uh, definitely uh, used, uh, it's it, uh, produced or it's made with, grapes that produce very, very little amount of sugar. So having said all this, <laughs> we're gonna, I'm gonna give you some tips and tricks and then Gabriel? we can open up for questions, yeah. Before you move on, did you want to tell the folks why using a decanter and when using a decanter is appropriate? Oh, thank you, Anthony. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so a decanter is used specifically in uh, uniquely for red wines. And you want to use a decanter mainly for red wines that are um, that are older, that are more mature in age. Uh, like I said, five, 10 plus years. 
Um, because what happens with red wines, especially with your full body, like Cab, Malbec, um, Cabernet Franc, uh, what will happen with those wines is that they are so rich in components and tannin. Um, remember that there's uh, the skin that goes into the winemaking process. So with aging comes sediment, which is nothing bad. It's just uh, sediments. It's just actual um, sandy feeling particles that form at the bottle at the bottom of the bottle. So you want to decant it because with that, what you do is that you allow for those particles to dissipate. As it comes in contact with oxygen, um, it allows the oxygen to uh, make the wine breathe, and then that will get rid of the particles. However, I know, and this is, take note of this, uh, because this is also part of your vinotype. I know people who actually enjoy the sediments in a wine, actually enjoy that um, age, and that's why they buy those uh, very mature wines. So what I recommend, if you're in doubt and you have a decanter, what I recommend in those cases is pour half of your bottle into a decanter and let the other half sit and wait for you know, a couple of minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes and try both. Try the decanted first and that, and then try the one still in the bottle. And then you'll see if you like a full body, very tannic wine with all its elements, or if you want to uh, use an, uh, a decanter to make the oxygen air some of those particles out and make the wine a little bit lighter. So, okay. Any, anything else that I was leaving out? No, but we are at the 17 minute mark. So if you want to go into the okay. type and then ask question, yeah, answer questions. Absolutely. So having said all what you have been hearing, uh, vino type is specifically that, um, putting the pieces together. Now this is where it all comes into, uh, creating your vino type and there's no right or wrong. I do invite you to try different types of wine. Like I said, uh, take note of what you feel and what you taste. Uh, try uh, sampling different wines with, wines with different food, uh, cheeses, chocolate, uh, or full meals, pizza, pasta. They're always great options. And then start taking notes and see the, uh, get, figure the smell that you get, the nose that you get from the wine, and then the taste and pay attention to how those two match and then pay attention to the label. And if you like fruity wine, but you still like red wine, then you then you'll you'll start deciphering which types of wine. You know, you're you're probably more a Merlot Pinot Noir person. If you feel that those wines are a little bit too sweet or a little bit too fruity for your taste and you need something stronger, <laughs> which would be me, um, then you would uh, try to start going into the more full body and more mature wines like Cabernet Sauvignon and Malbec. But like I said, the trick in discovering your vinotype is paying attention and always asking uh not only what type of wine, what type of varietal you're drinking, what grape, and also the origin. The origin is very important as well because um, altitude and the type of uh, soil in which the vineyards are planted, that also has an impact. Um, higher altitude wines, for example, uh, you know, in, in, in the uh, um, Appalachian region, tend to have a more crisp flavor and that is very very easy to guess because of the altitude um so the 
grape grows uh, very, very in direct contact to the sun and to the element, where vineyards that are in valley um, tend to have uh, tend to produce wines that are a little bit more earthy because they're more covered, they're surrounded, they're shadowed. So um, they they get all those uh, elements from the soil. And then that's when you have those wines that taste very earthy, very uh, mushroom notes in terms of red. Same thing applies to white. White wines that are from sunny, cool areas tend to be very crisp and very sharp. And uh, white wines that uh, grow in lower valley um, tend to be a little bit more buttery and more, uh, you know, a little bit heavier to the palate, uh, where the higher altitude white wines tend to be more crisp. So those are some of the recommendations. And uh, always, uh, when talking about temperature, always make sure that for you to get the full experience of your wine, uh, so that you make justice to that wine, uh, make sure to, um, I, I, I think that the easiest technique that I, that I learned and I think works is the 15-minute technique. Um, white wine should be at all times in the fridge. Take it out 15 minutes before you're going to decork and drink it. Same thing with the red wine. Red wine needs to be in a, in a place where it's not cool, but it's not, you know, warm. Um, but it needs to go into the fridge for 15 minutes before you're going to drink it, uh, decork and drink. And same goes with um, with uh, decanters. Like I said, decant a red wine and try both. Uh, don't, don't, don't make a choice. Don't make a decision. And then just take notes, take notes of everything, take notes of the wine uh, that you're drinking. If it's a blend, try to figure out the notes. I would start off with a single varietal, like, you know, just try a Merlot by itself, just try a Chardonnay by itself, and then transition into blend. Blends are great because they, uh, they give you a little bit of everything. So a red blend can give you the the sharpness and the full body of a Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's rounded up uh, with the smoothness and the fruitiness of a Merlot, which is the case of uh, Bordeaux wine, which are typically uh, a blend. And same thing with the white wine. You know, you can get a white wine that can give you the acidity of a um, Sauvignon, uh, I'm sorry, of a Pinot Grigio, and uh, can be rounded up with the buttery notes of a chardonnay so just pay attention to the varietal uh, then origin is also a good thing to keep in mind and then start mixing and matching and then you'll start developing which types of wines you like and which types of wines you don't like so uh i i think we we can allow for for questions and answers because we're close to the close to the end as we go to questions, I'm going to ask one first. Gabriel, is there anything we need to know differently from what you've said for dessert wines? Well, dessert wines are just um, sweet wines. And um, basically, they can be taken uh, with or as a dessert. And uh, basically, um, you know, Moscatos will, are the most traditional dessert wine. Uh, but there's also port, cherry, uh, but those tend to be a little bit pricier because those are fortified wines. Uh, I guess we, we're not going to get into fortified tonight, but uh, but yeah, definitely dessert wines uh, are, are tend to be sweet and they can be used with or as a dessert by itself. And uh, like I said, Moscato is, is, is one to check and uh, 
other blends, but typically Moscato Riesling is borderline because Riesling can be used as dessert wine. I wouldn't though, because it's not as sweet. But uh, if you want to try a dessert wine, I definitely recommend a Moscato. If you have a little bit of extra <laughs> income available and you want to uh, you wanna go a little bit fancier, I would try an iced wine. Iced wine is I love a phenomenal uh, yeah. dessert wine. Yeah. Okay, so I hear a couple of raised hands. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's about four. Darian Slade, you may unmute and speak. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. I'm from Oregon, and you mentioned uh, at the very beginning about uh, Aries Winery or Iries yes. or something. And mm-hmm. where, Correct. where in Oregon is it, and how do you spell that? Okay, so I, I don't know exactly where it is. I think it's in the coast. And uh, it is, uh, you spell it A-E-R-I-S. Thank you. Aries Winery, it's great. And some (laughs) of the best, you know, not only in the States, but worldwide um, are are coming from Oregon lately. So so you're right there. It's (laughs) fun to go wine tasting in Oregon. Yes, I bet. (laughs) Thanks. Karen, you're unmuted. You may speak. Yes, ma'am. I have four questions. One of them is... Is when um, I was at with my dad, he had something called a wine arena, and I thought it was really good. I never heard of mm-hmm. something prior to that. That's one question. The other thing is I went to a wedding last weekend, and I, I know my favorite wine is, is uh, White Zinfandel. And, mm-hmm. and Terry told me, I don't know which bottle you had, and I had no, I had no idea what he was saying, but I trust his judgment better than mine because he's a, he's a wine expert like you are. That's the second <laughs> question, and I don't know. It is kind of a wine slash tea question. And the mm-hmm. is on on the vinyls, the vinyls, whatever it is. The I notice when tea goes, but it changes taste entirely. It doesn't taste like the same product. Does wine do the same thing? Yes. So okay. So to answer the last question first, yes. Um, even though you have, you may have a varietal that is, uh, say, a Cabernet Sauvignon, it, it it definitely changes from one winery to the other. Um, not only because of the origin, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that has a lot to do the origin because you know it depends on the altitude, the type of uh, process that the vineyard uses to plant and harvest the grape. And uh, then also the the uh, maturity of the wine, a Cabernet Sauvignon, five years mature, uh, is definitely not going to taste as as bold, as dry, and as full body as a Cabernet Sauvignon aged uh, ten years or more. So definitely a varietal can taste totally different, and also <laughs> can be priced totally different, ranging from the low teens up to the five hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars. So, 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 yeah, that's, that's, that, that's why uh, discovering your vinotype is also, you know, budget inclusive and you don't need to break the bank. You go and try different varietals that fit your budget. And I guarantee you that if you open up, you will find something that you like. As far as the white Zinfandel, there is definitely, I actually used it as an example earlier because that is one of the most common grapes used. It's a, it's a red grape. Uh, but uh, it uh, it get it is used uh, very commonly to to produce white wines, and that is achieved just by removing the um, the uh, skin in the process of fermentation. So if you want, look for a vineyard called Zin, uh, Z-I-N. They have a wonderful uh, white Zinfandel. All right, who's next? Diane Oliveira, and we only have six minutes left, so please. Okay. 
I'll be brief. Thank you. Uh, <coughs> first, I'd like to have your contact number because obviously sure. there are more questions that will not have the time to be answered here. Um, yeah. And uh, I've been to, I appreciate your um, presentation because uh, I've been to many uh, wine classes in the Total Wine. Uh, and mm -hmm. they were they were very good, but it seems like they were more geared towards selling the products instead of yeah, um, really yeah. explaining I'm not, that. I'm not surprised. So, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That's what happened. Uh, okay. So, uh, what what uh, what is your contact information? Because you're in Miami, so I came from there yes. last year. Oh no, of okay. course. So I'm gonna give my contact number right now. Uh, and, uh, is it I, a personal? You're going to give an e you're no gonna give the email address. Yeah. Oh, the e oh, that's right. We cannot give contact name. Okay. No so, uh, okay. Yes. Yes. President. Yes. I'm sorry. President at blindlgbtpride.org. Wait a minute. President. Yes. At, at blindlgbtpride.org. Lgbt.org. Lgbt pride. The word pride, pride as well. Dot oh, org. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Blind LGBT pride dot org. Well, thank you so much. I think much. we have enough now... time for one more yeah. hand. You're welcome, Diana. Well, we have two up. All right. Yeah. I think go we quick. can go we can get for them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All right. Martha Rapid via. fire. Martha Via and Ron, you can unmute too, oh, so right. you'll be ready to go when <laughs> okay. it's your turn. <laughs> Martha. All right. Can I talk now? Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Very briefly. Thank you for this wonderful presentation. Um, let's say I don't finish my bottle of wine. I know it's, it is suggested that once you open it, you finish it all, right? <laughs> but let's say <laughs> yeah. I don't finish it. Can I store it and for how long and in what position on the fridge? Okay. So so you would want to get a, a gadget. It's not very expensive. It's, it, it's like a little pump that you mm -hmm. use. To kind of suck the oxygen out and immediately put a cork, whether the same cork of the bottle or a mm -hmm. plastic cork. And at that point, it doesn't matter if it's laying flat or if it's um, if it's standing up, but definitely has to be in the refrigerator. And I wouldn't keep it for over like two days. More than five days. Yeah, no, <laughs> not even. Yeah, three, I was being what generous, this, three this days. Pump or like Amazon or just wine store? Yeah, Amazon. Just look at a. Just look for a pump. There are hundreds of different versions of them. The ones that pump out and cork yeah. it at the same time are so easy to use. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Great. Perfect. You're welcome. All right, Ron, you're up. Hey, good afternoon or good evening. I hey, guess. Hey, good evening, so, Ron. Yeah. The ACB office is amazing and I should look at stuff before I start drinking wine. So <laughs> I have a question. I want to talk about port wines for just a second. And if you could sure. just talk very, and I don't have much time briefly about the difference between red port and tawny port and, um, Good you know what the difference i mean i know they're red and white but i mean what do you think the differences are in terms of taste profile um and what do you you know recommend for them i recommend red port uh -huh. um and 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 i feel that uh they they have just more they have more to it they have more body more elements they have they taste like cardamom uh, they're sweet um yeah. and i feel that the brandy um you know the the, the brandy that is used to fortify the port I think that the brandy uh, mixes better with red mm -hmm. because it's uh, brandy is in on itself a very strong um, alcohol. Yes. So I think it clashes a little bit to my taste. It clashes a little bit when mixed the with uh, with the white, yeah. uh, and I think it just it's it, it's better received with the red port. 
and 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 it just gives you so much complexity a red chord gives you so much more than a white it gives you a lot of notes it gives you a lot of sweetness but it also gives you a lot of other notes and very spicy and uh very aromatic as well thank you one minute yeah Oh my God, right on the dot. So thank you, everyone. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I was just, I'm going to close with a, uh, with a, uh, with, with a, with a, oh my God. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, DFTDR. We all know that one means. <laughs> Don't forget to drink responsibly. <laughs> Or in my case, I like to substitute it to don't forget to drink red. <laughs> It's been a pleasure to be with all of you. And uh, thank you to our host. We have two more wine presentations throughout convention. There is From Great to Glass on Monday with Dr. Holby Weidler. And then Gabriel and Holby will be back on Friday dueling wine perspectives from the winemaker and wine drinker perspective. So please check those out as well.